Welcome in. Brand new Tuesday Scramble. It is June 28, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there. See ya, Najad. See ya. Thank you very much for hopping on and uh, joining me today. Rick, I always love to join. Uh, I'm excited to talk John Deere. It looks like we have other golf tournaments to potentially talk about, too, with some big names. I, I mean, I think this is a really interesting week, and I'm actually super excited about the John Deere Classic from a DraftKings and a betting standpoint because I think there's some opportunity there. Um, with that said, I mean, this week is like any other week. I'm super excited on the front end, and it's the back end, Rick. It's the back end where I get deflated because my lineups crash and burn. Right. Yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, always, always great. It's that pesky Saturday and Sunday thing that that tends to cause us some trouble. So a couple of housekeeping items off the top here. Uh, we are indeed presented by prize picks. You can go and use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. Get yourself 100% instant deposit match up to $100. See, you and I were going through the props. Uh, there are not only PGA props, there are other props available, and I think they're pretty, pretty exploitable. We'll get to that, but I'm I'm excited to attack the prop board with you. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, you know, it's it's funny because, and I, I hate to keep bringing up Liv, especially at the outset of the show, but it's just interesting to have. We always have had sort of competing tournaments on the DP mm -hmm. World Tour, but you know, typically we it's not that we ignore them, but we don't pay as much attention to them for a couple reasons. One is there's not as many contests and things of that nature, but also we're just not as familiar with the courses, and we we don't you know we, right. we we're not used to breaking those tournaments down. Well, here, sure, we're not used to the course necessarily, but. These are big names, and it's just interesting that we have showdown options and betting options uh, and prize picks right. options as well. Yeah, they are guys we are familiar with, which is a different wrinkle. So that that's what we've got going on. We've got we've got John Deere Classic battling it out with Liv this week, and I don't know if Liv did this on purpose, but they they're going up against what is like basically the third weakest field of the year. Puerto Rico, Punta Cana were worse in terms of strength of field. I don't know if it was strategic, Sia, but there are a lot of people who have kind of eyeballs in two different directions this week. Yeah, and what's really interesting too is this is probably part of the PGA Tour's fault as well, notwithstanding the live factor. And, and somebody brought this up on Twitter uh, on a thread, Rick, I think you might have been on, where you know when you co-sanction the Scottish Open, which I understand isn't this week, but people are going to go out there for, and there's a, there's a lot of other events going on on that side of the world coming up in particular. I think you could have maybe foreseen, even without live, some people kind of sneaking away early to go across the pond. This, this to me, so, um, when I'm bored, I like act like I'm the czar of golf and I come up with like brand new schedules and all of this stuff, which is like a really nerdy thing to do this week right here is the best use case for a bye week Uh, and it, it is not to say the John Deere shouldn't exist. It should, it can, it can just exist in a different week, but the stretch of golf that we had. It was like Memorial to Canada, uh, to the U.S. Open, to Travelers, which was close by. And then guys want to get over to the Scottish. They want to play uh, the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. They want to get ready for the Open Championship. Like They can't play seven weeks in a row. They're going to have to find a spot to rest. This was clearly the spot on the schedule to rest. It should have been a bye week. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I guess it's easy to say that now. I mean, I, I think you're right. But I think, you know, especially post-COVID, we were sort of jamming a lot of tournaments in and, sure. and they were getting a lot of attention and they were getting a lot of our sort of betting dollars as well. And it's just one of those things where, you know, now we kind of see, well, there, there probably should be a break, especially when you have so many players that you know are going overseas. 
So uh, the live event is in Portland. That will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They play 54 holes. It'll be the first time that we see. This will be the first time we see Bryson, right? He didn't play in London. Is that right? Uh, I I feel like this is all just melted into my brain now. Uh, I think this is the first time we're going to see Bryson. It's the first time we're going to see Answer and Brooks Kepka and Matthew Wolf and Carlos Ortiz. That might be the list of new guys, right? Pretty close. I think so. I'm trying to honestly, I can't remember if Bryson played <laughs> the first Live Tour event or not. I yeah. honestly cannot for the life of me. No, he didn't because he played. Why can't I remember this? He played the US Open. Did we know at the time? Yeah, so no, we, we didn't know he was even going over to live after uh during that US Open time. So this must be his first event. I can't believe I can't remember that. Okay, anyway, they're gonna. They're going to play in Portland. Um, and then I actually think there's one more. There's only one more live golf event. See ya until like the tour championship is over. And then they do a lot of their events in the fall. So I think what is going to end up happening is you're going to get a couple of more guys who go after the open championship just because they don't want to deal with any distractions before the open championship. And then I think the logical scenario and I, I don't want to just throw throw out random names, but like, you know, if you're Xander Shoffley or Patrick Cantlay, the best time to go would be to go after the tour championship because you are still very much in the mix for the $18 million top prize here. And then you've only missed three live events and you can still probably get a bundle from them. So I think there's kind of like two more natural spots in which guys go. And then I think once we get through this year, um, I think it'll, like most guys would have decided already if they're if they're headed over there or not. Yeah, most likely. I mean, I, I think there's something to be said for the more guys that go over there over the next like three months, for example, maybe others who were kind of on the fence and maybe fighting some moral decisions are going to be more inclined to go over because a lot of people have already kind of like stepped over those murky waters. So mm-hmm. listen, here's, here's the reality. I, I posted something about this yesterday on Twitter. I, I think there's going to be a lot more kind of stars or, or middle tier guys that we like to watch that are going to go over there over time. I also think that the PGA Tour is going to step it up and start marketing some of these younger players that are going to stay and, and just some of these, these middling guys that are going to stay. And so I, I don't really have like a great fear that Liv is going to like take over. I think the PGA Tour just needs to do a better job marketing the stars that come over here because I, I don't think there's a shortage of amazing golfers that are going to be funneled into the PGA tour. So it's just one of those things where I think we know who the stars are now, but like two mm-hmm. years ago, we didn't know who Cam Young was, or at mm-hmm. least I didn't, we didn't know, who, you know, Davis Riley yeah. was going to be good. We didn't know Mito Pereira was going to be good. Now we know they're good. They're on our tour now. Maybe they go to another tour, but believe me when I tell you there's more Mito Pereira's and Davis Riley's and, and Cameron Young's right around the corner. And they're, some of them are going to be here as well. So I have no fear about the PGA tour. Are you Long surprised? Time. Yeah. Are you surprised that uh, bookmakers and like like DraftKings is now offering live showdown contests, which we'll talk about in a second? Are you surprised that sportsbook operators or DFS site operators that have some relationship with the PGA Tour are offering are offering the live contests? 
it's interesting. I mean, clearly that relationship isn't exclusive, it, you know, contractually. <laughs> so that, that, you know, and, and I wonder if that was just, you know, obviously the PGA Tour wouldn't have anticipated a breakoff tour. Obviously you've got the DP World Tour, but that's all we've always had DraftKings, uh, you know, outfits for that. So, right. yeah, I, I mean, I'm not really surprised because if they're going to get people in these rooms to fill out lineups, then then they're making money at the end of the day. And it's not like they're shorting the PGA Tour at all. I think it would be interesting if the Lib Tour got so popular that all of a sudden the contest selection for the for the PGA events was like a little shorter. That would be interesting. Um, and I, that would be really unfortunate. But I, I don't really see I mean, I'm I'm looking at the Lib Tour showdown stuff and, you know, like the rooms. Nobody really even knows it exists right now. So like the like these lineups, honestly, there might be some overlay here because, you know, when we get when we finally get to I guess it would be Friday. Right. Um, I don't know that all these are going to fill up because there's just not the word isn't really out yet. No, it'll be Thursday. But oh, Thursday. I, I always I, I was confused on that, too, because I'm like, why wouldn't they finish on Sunday? Why wouldn't they play? If you're only going to play three days, why wouldn't you want the weekend to be two of those days? Why aren't they going Friday, Saturday, Sunday? But they're not. They're going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is that's bizarre to me. Yeah, I, that, that's I don't have an explanation for that. Uh, the live showdown contests are live on DraftKings. These are they're they're just standard showdown. They're not there's no finishing position. They have like the jacked up scoring. See ya. So a birdie instead of, you know, the three points is 5.7. A bogey is minus 1.8. It's like that. It's that jacked up showdown scoring. And they're only offering round by round, which I thought was curious. Why wouldn't, why, why would, I have so many questions that no one has answers to. Why wouldn't DraftKings do full tournament contest for this? I wonder if on the back end, there's just some capacity issue right now. I, I have no idea. I think there will be full tournament. I, I couldn't tell you why they're not rolling it out right now. I, honestly, I would suspect for the next live tour, you'll have a full sort of offering from a full tournament to a showdown standpoint. I, I bet you, for, coming from the data side of things, I bet you there is like some guy in a cubicle who has to put in everything by hand for live golf, right? Because right. they don't, the, the last time I checked for, if you wanted stats for live, you had to email them. They would then reply with a PDF of of like driving accuracy, longest drive, like birdies made. Like I, I can't imagine they've got an API built uh, to send real-time data over to DraftKings. So I imagine someone is going to be sitting there like, oh, Henny, Duplessis, birdie. Uh, yeah. Like that's going to be someone's job. For now. Yeah, for now, that's going to be somebody's <laughs> job until they get some sort of infrastructure over there from a golf standpoint. But I got to tell you, I, I did just for the fun of it. I mean, anytime like an offering comes out for the PGA, I'm going to like fill out a lineup right away. So while I do have some John Deere lineups already filled, I mean, I did put a lineup together for for a showdown lineup for live. And I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's 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 kind of exciting to see just a, a showdown lineup just to see how it's going to play out. Yeah. So they've got that very top heavy. I mean, it's honestly a very bad payout structure, but it's the $25,000 up top for a $15 entry, hundred thousand guaranteed. The most expensive player, Dustin Johnson, Taylor, Gooch, Taylor Gooch sneaking into the second spot. Louis Oostazen's more expensive than Brooks Kepka. It's, it's a fascinating little, like how is, why isn't Hudson Swafford running away with this, with these events? Is Why isn't Hudson Swafford going to win this week? <laughs> I mean, I, I he, he could, I mean, he's just like like a, a a tour average golfer should be injected into this live field and content. 
Probably. Yeah, because we're not counting on the, the, the top echelon guys necessarily like playing at their peak. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's part, but Rick, that's part of the pool for live as it is. You got these younger guys that can come in and compete and probably win a, uh, or potentially win a big purse that they wouldn't be able to win on the PGA tour. With that said, I did put Dustin Johnson to my show. Yeah. Who's like, who's like the val? Who is it like Chikara, the number two amateur 6,900? Like who's like the value guy? I'll tell you a couple of the value plays I put in and, and I'm not like, believe me, I, I'm, I haven't handicapped this, this event. Um, I, I'm a big Peter Uline guy. So yeah, I think I'm too. trying to remember, I'm looking at like a little screenshot right now, but I think he was 7,100. I thought that was yeah. value. I, I put Matt Jones and Lee Westwood in there. I thought they were pretty good values. Um, and I'm kind of giving away my lineup, but I, I decided to go with both Kepkas because I've seen Chase do well mm. in singular rounds before. Usually it's round one or round two where Chase actually shows oh, up. Right. And, they, and there's it's the big right. joke one on round. Twitter where yeah. it's like Chase is doing better than Brooks. And then Brooks passes him like really quickly on Saturday or, you know, something like that. I, my, my brain already defaulted to like, well, I know Chase Kepka can't win this thing, but you're right. It is legit one round. I, I, I like already forgot that five yeah. seconds into what we were, what we were talking about. Um, okay. Here's what we got to do. We've got to talk through the props. We're going to do that on the other side. We've got to get to our head to head matchups. I want to talk much more about this John Deere classic field. We'll go through some one and done options for this week and we'll keep rolling on. So we'll hit the props on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Okay, see, it is time to prop it like it's hot. This is presented by Prize Picks, the coach you're looking for, Rick. The link in the description gets you up to a 100% instant deposit match. Let me share my screen here because I noticed a couple of things. We've got PGA offerings, see ya. Mm -hmm. And we also have this little tab over here called golf. And if I click on golf, I get access to the live guys. And there are actually more options for live this week. Birdies are better matchup strokes and birdies are better than there are for the PGA tour. Interesting. And that might just be a name recognition thing. Maybe they think they're going to get, hmm. um, you know, more bets with, with guys like, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka and, and Dustin Johnson in there. What's really funny is it's kind of confusing at the top, right? That you have PGA and golf, but there's not like a golf with sub tiers. I just think that might be hard to find for people. So Correct. definitely look out for PGA and golf because those have different offerings. Obviously, Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, yes. Golf <laughs> PGA is also golf, but not <laughs> under the, not under the category. Okay. So let's, let's, I guess, start with the PGA because that's, you know, you've got, it's only birdies are better. And the vast majority of these lines, all of these lines are three and a half or four. Uh, this thing is generally a birdie fest. See, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think these are like all too low. You're probably right. You're, I mean, because <laughs> the thing is, yeah, it, it, it's generally a birdie fest. I, I, 
it, it's tough because I was trying to think of some unders here because I don't want to be the guy that like takes all overs. There was one guy I kind of I, I put down as an under, but it, it was tough. I mean, I definitely think a lot of these guys could have bad rounds, but still have four or five birdies. So here is, uh, I compiled a little bit of data here. And let me know what you think about this. Because I always compile this data and then I'm like, is this actionable or not? So here we go. So what I did is I went back to past John Deere Classics. We play this event every year. There's a lot of great data on it. Of the golfers who are eligible on prize picks, who have played this event before, they are all on like going over their line that is currently set. So for example, the way to read this is Lucas Glover's round one birdie or better line is three and a half. He's made three and he's made four or more birdies in 11 of the 12 rounds he's played at the John Deere classic. Uh, Ches Reby, nine out of 10, Zach Johnson, 17 out of his last 20 CH three, nine of his last 12. Is this actionable? I know I've obviously conditions change every single year, but like some of these are pretty jarred. These are very jarring. I, I absolutely think this is actionable. I think this is this is fantastic. If you're not um if you're listening to this and not watching it, I encourage you to check this out because uh, these numbers are just super compelling. And we know that like Lucas Glover, for example, um Charles Howell III, Zach Johnson, we know those numbers would pop. I think you could make an argument that well that was Zach then, this is Zach now. But as and, and that's just one little example. But as for the yeah. others, like JT Poston, uh, Charles Howell III, Lucas Glover. I think their form is good enough right now where you could say, uh, well, I think their course history is going to be just fine because they're not in terrible shape right now. Yeah, so I'm just likely to be smashing a lot of overs when it comes to round one birdies or better, and I imagine that these are going to get um, adjusted at some point. Now, let me flip this over to the live guys here, Sia, because as we mentioned, a lot more options over here. Um, and I know a couple of these stood out to you. I'm going to try to get my screen back here for a second. How about, there we go. So these birdie or better matchups. Um, these are where two golfers are paired against one another for a single round. Whoever makes more birdies or better wins. All the lines are set to zero. <laughs> I, I, did any of these stand out to you? Yeah, a couple of them did. I mean, for the, the one really compelling one to me is Dustin Johnson over Taylor Gooch. Uh, I mean, there's there's no such thing as a gimme in golf, but I mean, I, I do think, I think Dustin makes more birdies than Taylor Gooch, you know, pretty easily here. So that one was one that intrigued me. And then I, there was a couple that I I, I kind of liked, but I ended up going with Brooks Kepka over um, over Sergio Garcia. And, and you know, Brooks Kepka has flashed a little bit lately, and when he does, it's usually early. Um, I it seems to me that he would he would be better than Sergio. I, I haven't really been impressed for Sergio for quite some time. So I was kind of hoping we were going to see birdie or better matchups for the PGA Tour. Maybe they're coming, but these have been very profitable as of late, Sia. So uh, the way that we've been kind of tracking this is the guy whose picture you see, the guy whose prop it is, like that's the headliner, right? So Brooks Kepka, the headliner versus Sergio Garcia. So um, Andy M., emailed me and he's been tracking this the last couple of weeks. The headliners last week were 26, 10 and six, which is a massive clip. They won mm -hmm. in a big way at the U S open. So because prize picks is setting all of these lines to zero and generally giving you two guys that don't necessarily belong against one another, 
leaning towards all the headliners has been a money-making scheme. What's yeah, I mean, what's really interesting is that you know, your bias is automatically gonna go to the guy with the picture, obviously. Right. So not only is he the better player, but he also is somebody you're actually visually seeing. And you're just whether right. you're realizing that consciously or subconsciously, you're more inclined to bet that guy. So it's almost it's almost prize picks, you know, trying to trying to give you like almost like a, a um not a free roll, but but some some extra money here because I, I do think obviously it's probably not gonna bear out like that the rest of the way in terms of the 26, 10, and six, but a lot of these, you know, I went through all of these and I did think that the guys that were pictured, the featured guys had a yeah. leg up in most of the matchups. Yeah. If they're just going to set all the lines at zero and we thought like the last couple weeks were like, this is kind of trappy, but no, it's, it's bearing out that that's, that that is actually working Uh, real quick while I have you look at this. They already have NFL. Is this week one pro week one props, Josh Allen, 275 and a half wow. passing yards. We're like three months away from that. So out of curiosity, if Josh Allen were to get hurt in like a preseason game or in practice, that is that that's going to be void, right? I don't know. Does he have to start the game? He probably uh, has to start the game, I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't. This is but but Rick, this is this is pretty good because I mean I so I haven't looked at these lines yet, but you can absolutely get ahead of the game here and take advantage of some bad numbers. I mean, books make bad numbers all the time and then they end up adjusting them. We're so early here. I mean, some of these matchups are probably very exploitable. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I would look into, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the guy has to, now I'm like super curious about this. I'm assuming he has to start. Of course, as I scroll, I can't find it, but we'll, uh, okay. Yeah. Offensive players must accrue at least one offensive snap or yeah. or one punt return TD. <laughs> that, that's weird. That's, that's just got to be some sort of error. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, props. We're leaning the overs for PGA birdies or better. We are leaning the headliners for the birdie or better matchups. Those have been quite successful over the last couple of weeks. The coach you're looking for is Rick. There's a link in the description it'll get you a, a bonus as well um i want to circle back to john deere talk about some guys with upside we'll go through matchups we'll go through one and done options but we're going to take a quick 30 seconds if you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks then you're not really playing daily fantasy they offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else you pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry they allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Okay. See ya. Let's talk a little bit about the John Deere classic. I was having a conversation earlier today with somebody and we were kind of discussing this idea of like the unknown entity in a field like this, a field mm -hmm. that is so weak and a field that has guys like, I think Hayden Buckley is a really good example. Hayden Buckley, like young up and coming guy played well with the U S open. I think he ended up finishing T 14. It's like, wow, that's impressive. A lot of these guys in this field couldn't even get into the U S open number mm -hmm. one. Um, 
almost almost like I like those guys more than Kevin Streelman, who is a complete like I know everything there is to know about Kevin Streelman. Do I think he's gonna find his ceiling, or do I think I'd rather try to learn what the ceiling is from some of these other guys? And I think when you are, I mean, it, I guess it depends on how you're approaching it. You know, for me, approaching it in, from a DFS standpoint, I think you could probably build, you know, different lineups, you know, some of the pedigree lineups and some of the up and coming lineups. We see a, a lot of these, these sort of up and coming guys like Hayden Buckley or Austin Smotherman or Lee Hodges. They're all kind of, their odds are all, or, or their DFS pricing is all kind of grouped in, in the same territory. I think yeah. it's fine to play those guys, but I also think, there's something to be said for a veteran like Kevin Streelman or mm. let's say a Lucas Glover coming in and saying, hey, this is a tournament I can win. Not only do I have the pedigree to win, but I have the experience on this course. I'm up against a lot of guys who might pop for a round or two, but they also might fade during rounds three and four. This is my time to grab a chip. That's interesting. Um, the 40 to 60 range on the betting board like has my full attention. It got It's guys like Adam Long, Lucas Glover, John Huh, Cam Davis, who's one of my favorite guys this week. It goes down to even like an Adam Svensson at 55. It's like that general range. Because one, I think there's a lot of interesting guys there that could pop off Sia, but I also don't think there's a huge difference between guys that are 65 to one and 45 to one. Like, mm -hmm. is is John Huh significantly better than Nate Lashley? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. Probably not, but I'm getting 20 more points on him. Yeah, and you could even go uh, up top to Scott Stallings and Patrick Rogers. Listen, they can and Adam Long, like they're they're all in the 35 to one range, and I'm not so sure that they're going to be better for four rounds than than Adam Svensson and Martin Laird, who who has finally sort of popped and justified some of the things we've seen on mo in models the last six months. I think all of these. I think you're right. I mean, I think all the way up to like 80 to one, I think Patton Kazire, who we talked about on the, yeah. the first cut uh, is in play, even though his form is terrible. There's a lot of guys that you could definitely justify here. And I don't really see a reason if, if you're looking at value, I don't really see a reason to go towards the top of the board. Unless of course you're, you, you just think Adam Hadwin and, uh, and, or, you know, uh, Webb Simpson are going to win this thing. Yeah. Um, which man, Webb, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I love Webb, but I, I don't know. I'd rather spend my monies in the in the forty to sixty range and build a card out like that and just kind of move on. Especially in a tournament like this, because yeah. all it's going to take is a guy with good ball striking and a guy who finds a hot putter. Not necessarily a good putter, but a guy who finds a hot putter, like like Lucas Glover did when he won. I mean, he only gained three strokes putting, but he's a terrible putter. Well, so right. Positive That's... three for him is like positive eight for anybody yeah. else. And we've seen that. We've seen bad putters be okay here. And so I, I think um, this is it's a shorter course. It's it's going to, we talked about it before as well in terms of like the wedge game is going to be pretty important. That brings kind of everybody into play. So while I do think Webb Simpson is the cream of the crop here, I, I don't see any reason. I almost never see a reason to bet a guy that's 12 to one for the record. Uh, but certainly not in this case. Hopefully, if you like Webb Simpson, hopefully he has a mediocre day one. Instead of 12 to one, he's 22 to one going into Friday, you know, four strokes back and he's got a, a ton of people to, to pass. That's okay taking him there, but 12 to one, no chance. Yeah, there you go. Um, let's talk matchups here. We got a couple of interesting ones lined up. So our first matchup, CH3, Charles Howell, the third versus Maverick McNeely. This was difficult for me, Sia, because I think in general, I'm just like a, a bigger believer in what McNeely has to offer. But CH3 and matchups 
is a money a money printing machine because his floor is so high, right? Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 we see Maverick McNeely's floor has been pretty low as of late. So I, I'm I'm big on CH three here. I do think you know I looked at some of the matchups yesterday, and and, and there w- there wasn't this specific matchup in the betting market, but I did notice Maverick McNeely was getting some respect in the betting market. Nothing crazy, but it's not like he was like a huge fade in, in a ton of matchups. So I think that there's something to be said for that, especially from a DFS standpoint. He's probably going to be pretty contrarian because that 9K range in general's probably going to be a little contrarian. I don't think to the extent people are going to go there, they're going to go to Mav. But yeah, I like CH3. He's one of the guys towards the top that I'd be willing to bet in matchups to potentially think about outright and to play in DFS. His, his course history here is great. His recent form is very good. Um, he's gained ball striking three out of the last four. And while the putter can be bad, he has gained over his last two. Yeah, so the way that I kind of look at this, and I'm kind of flipping back and forth on a couple of golfer profiles on, on rickrungood.com, but uh, Charles Howe third compared to Mad McNeely, he just gains like between zero and two strokes to the field way more frequently than McNeely does. Now, McNeely might gain five or six strokes more frequently, but like you don't need to gain five or six strokes to, to, to win a matchup. So I would take, I would take the higher floor there. So we're both on, both on CH three. Uh, there will be blood in this next matchup, Adam long versus Lucas Glover. Uh, you have taken the Adam long side. Sia, tell me why. No, I've taken. Oh, I did take the Adam long side. Oh, would you like to switch? That's okay. No, you know, what's funny. It's funny about that. I just, I, I just like re- the Adam long side. We could just flip this whole thing right around. No, no, I'll, I'll take the, listen, I just think I, I wonder what's up with Lucas Glover. I mean, obviously his course history here is great, but I just don't see enough from him. And I do see an Adam Long. He's the type of guy that's like starting to emerge. I just think we're starting to see Adam Long's talent overcome what Lucas Glover has in spite of his his course history. This one was a tough one. And that's why I Mm -hmm. thought I had picked Lucas Glover. So the margins are really tight here, but I ended up going with Adam Long. Yeah, I do think this is the 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 hardest one. Uh so I'm on the Glover side. You've got obviously not just the win, but he's played well at this at this course multiple times. And what I think is like the metrics are not great, but they're on brand, which I think is important, right? He's not Lucas Glover's not doing anything surprising by losing strokes with his putter in like 23 out of his last 25. So like that's not surprising at all. So I, I like that. I know he's got the ability to kind of ball strike his way to a 23rd place finish or something like that. And he's going to get plenty of good vibes, but you're right. This was a very, very hard one. I'll take Lucas Glover. Mm-hmm. Patrick Rogers versus Cam Davis. Uh, we are both on the same side. So what side is that? So it, it would be hard for me to come off of Cameron Davis after betting him. He was one of my three outrights last week, pre-tournament at 150 to one. Uh, I, I, I'm not like, this is a very similar course setup in my, in my uh, opinion. So there's no reason for me to be off Cameron Davis all of a sudden. I've never really been on Patrick Rogers, although I do have to concede his, his game is emerging, particularly the approach game where we always thought of him as a bomber, which of course was true. But I mean, he's, he's been gaining on approach at a, at a pretty consistent clip around the green game is tough but his putter is um is is popping here and there with all of that said uh, I'm I'm a Cameron Davis guy especially on a course like this I think it's fair to say and this I don't know how I don't know how spicy this is that Cameron Davis is the most mispriced like 
outright number this week. And I see him at like 45 or 50. I'm not saying he's going to win, although I think he has a really good chance of winning it. But I think he should be like 28 to 1. He is, he was, okay, you need to hit your ceiling to win on the PGA Mm -hmm. Tour. The first two rounds last week, pure ceiling. The last two rounds, pure floor. The fact that he can even find a ceiling for two rounds is better than most of these guys. I think this is a pretty decent setup for him. There's only a couple of holes that are going to bother him for missing off the tee. He's playing much better as of late. He's a winner on that. He should be like 28 to one. He should, he, he is more likely to win this than Charles. Howe the third is, and they are probably Charles. Howe is like probably half the odds that that Cam Davis is. Yeah, he is. He is half the odds. Uh, that's an interesting comment. I, I don't know that I disagree with that. Um, I do like Charles Howell the third's history here. I'll give you two other guys that I think there's value on. And again, I'm not saying they're going to win. And, and one of them we, right. we you already brought up. But I think CT Pan at 55 to 1 is pretty long. I think that should be maybe closer to 45 to 1 in this field. And the reason I say that is because, you know, the, the approach in the off the tee game for him doesn't usually coincide. But it can. We know it can. And in this field, if it does, he's going to win. So I, I, I just think CT Pan is an interesting number at 55 to 1. And the other guy is who you brought up a, a few moments ago, Adam Svensson at 65 to 1. I mean, I, yeah. I, it's, it's really hard to make an argument about him at this point. What we used to say about Adam Svensson is, yeah, the ball striking is great, but what about the putter? Okay, well, he's gained with the putter five in a row. And he's gained with the putter eight out of the last 10. Is that enough of a sample size for you? Because it is for me. He's gained ball striking four out of the last five. Um, I think both from a DraftKings standpoint and an outright betting standpoint, I think he's a top three value on the board. Yeah, this reminds me a lot of, I think it was the American Express. Was that the one that Hudson Swafford won at like 200 to one? That feels right. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so it reminds me of that where I just bet like I had like eight or ten guys on micro. It was like my biggest card ever, and they were all over 100 to one. Uh this feels like I'm gonna have seven guys between 40 and 80, and that's it. I like nothing else. Yeah. Um, and if you if you want to save some money, instead of seven or eight guys, pick like five or six and then wait for one of those guys that yeah. you really like at the top to maybe falter a little bit day one and or day two. And then the rest of the money you're allocating to outrights, go ahead and throw it on, on that person at, at a better number. Uh, Brent Harris asks, uh, Charles Howe third career earnings versus Maverick McNeely's trust fund. Uh, this is not close. See ya. So without even looking up Charles Howe third's career earnings, which I did. The answer is the trust fund. There, there is a big difference between billions and millions, which is what we're talking about here. Uh, Maverick McNeely's dad is like worth $4 billion or something outrageous. So I'll definitely take the trust fund side. So I guess the odds of Mav staying uh, on the PGA Tour are, are better than, than some of the other guys that are his caliber of golfer. Yeah, I don't know if there's an amount of money that would uh, change his life, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. because I think it's pretty good. By the way, Charles Howe III, career earnings, $41 million. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, he's been around for a while, so that actually makes sense. Oh, yeah. he's he's He only has three wins, and only one of them after 2007 when purses like, you know, really started to get crazy. So this is... 41 million with basically like one win. Amazing. Good for him. I mean, he's keeping his card. It's not like he's, he's, he's a bad golfer. He just, he just hangs around. Good for him. That's what 466 cuts made will do for you. $41 million. Pretty good. All right. Message Uh, message to all you live guys. 
That's a pretty good model there. That's like the the backup quarterback in the NFL model. Just hang around, hold the clipboard, figuratively speaking, and there's your path to 41 mil. Yeah, they're not clipboards anymore. Now they're like tablets. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, now they're just holding tablets. It's been a while. I just dated myself. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, The big boys at the top, Adam Hadwin versus Webb Simpson. It's Webb Simpson. It's Webb Simpson. I mean, especially when you're talking about sort of winning pedigree. I mean, I, I like Adam Hadwin. Don't tell Greg Ducharme I said this, but I, I do think Webb Simpson is is definitely the class of this field. And I, and I think Adam Hadwin is a step down. We've been talking about Webb Simpson for quite some time about yeah. how he's, he's sort of put his injuries off to the side. And it looks like there's like a an extra hop giddy up in his step. And, and you know, he's been a little erratic with the putter. But on this course, uh, I really like Webb Simpson, especially yes. against the talent. So I think the I think the big thing for me is Adam Hadwin's been great this year, and he is likely better than a lot of the players in this field. However, a a healthy Webb Simpson is a top ten player in the world, mm-hmm. or has been for the last couple of years. Right? I mean, there was you know it was only twelve months ago, eighteen months ago, that he was a one or two win a year guy, and was just phenomenal from fairway, you know, from approach through 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 putting and if he's healthy again which he seems to be and the metrics mm-hmm. are coming around th- there's just there's just a huge gap between these two guys i mean let's put it this way if adam hadwin were to finish t37 in this tournament i'd be like oh it's a, that's a pretty bad tournament for adam hadwin that, like, like he just he just didn't have his stuff if webb simpson finishes t37 my response will be wow that's really surprising I just do not see a scenario outside of just really bad play where Webb Simpson finishes outside of the top 20 here. Right. Uh, finally, Brendan Todd versus Christian Bezadenhout. Um, This one was also pretty difficult. I think I'm pretty warm on both of these guys. You went with Todd here. Yeah, I've never really been a Bez guy. Um, I, I think Todd is a really good course fit here. I mean, I definitely think he's going to keep it in the fairway, like a lot of people likely will. Um, but I think Todd's game is is starting to come around in a way where I have a lot more confidence in him here rather than Bizenhut. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, I went with Bez on this side. I, I just think there's something outside of the like just a couple of recent miscuts. He's he generally finds the weekend. Uh, even when he missed the cut the PGA Championship, he didn't play all that poorly. He has a kind of a couple different ways to get there. He can he's had ball striking, great ball striking weeks, but he's generally a very good putter. I don't know. I, there's just something about him that I think is super sneaky at a place like this, especially for like DraftKings, where probably no one plays him because he's like, I don't know, $9,800 or something. Yeah, I think he's and like 9100 Yeah, something like that. Nobody wants to play him and everyone thinks the top of the board is ugly anyway. I just, I think there's something sneaky about him and um, I think he can make some noise this week. I agree with that. And I do agree that, that, you know, when you talk about paths, Brendan Todd's path usually is like relying on the short game. And I don't know that I can say the same about Bez. I think there's a couple different paths to success in this matchup for Bezed and Hoot over Todd. So I agree with you on, with that sentiment. Yeah, they might not be uh, super great paths, but there are multiple of them. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Okay, one and done for this week. So I want to kind of have a larger discussion around this because it's a very weird week. The guys at the top of the board are guys you might not have used yet and might have never wanted to use. So... 
is the idea that everyone is just going to play Webb Simpson or everyone is going to play Adam Hadwin? Is that what's going to happen here? I mean, it, I guess it depends on where where you're standing. I, I mean, I think a lot of people want to save Webb for like the Wyndham, perhaps because they've run out of players and, and Webb yeah. make, certainly makes sense awesome there. there. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's going to be Adam uh, Adam Hadwin or Webb Simpson. But I definitely think in this field you can make an argument. Like I think people, especially people who have run out of players and want to save Webb and don't believe in Hadwin, maybe Figala jumps into that conversation. Outside of that, it would be really hard to justify anybody else like jason day is a hard no for me and once you get past him i mean who i mean there's just really nobody realistic unless you just you just decided yeah. you really want to punt or like if you're really far behind like what about nick hardy you know just try to catch this lightning in a bottle the guy's been great for four weeks and at, at kind of much more difficult events and he goes back to illinois where he grew up and like i don't know like i like how how comfortable are you with nick hardy or even even Cam Davis, I think Cam Davis is significantly mispriced. So I keep going back to him. I'm not comfortable with either of them in one and done. I think if I was going to veer away from Hadwin and Simpson because I want to make a splash or I have a lot of catching up to do, the one that he doesn't necessarily grade out really well, but he's a guy that I think we might be seeing on the early side of a rise in his career, and it's Denny McCarthy. Again, a guy that's not going to grade out really well, but nobody's really going to pick him in one and done. And I think he's a guy that has a more realistic op like opportunity to actually close a top three or an outright, uh, uh, at least among the, the players that we're discussing. So I will tell you that, uh, so officefootballpool.com, that's the site that I run the run and done on every there's a lot of different pools and leagues on there. They let you see the site-wide picks like before things lock, which I would argue they shouldn't do, but I also argue that I love that it's available. They have the site-wide, site so all the leagues, 21% have gone with Webb Simpson, 20 have gone with Adam Hadwin, and 16 have gone with Sahith Tagala, which are like the three largest numbers I've ever seen this early in the week. And then there's a massive drop-off to Denny McCarthy, Cam Davis, JT Poston. So... Those three guys we mentioned at the top, Simpson, Hadwin, Tagala, are getting all the picks. Yeah, and it makes sense. Poston is interesting uh, because of what he's been doing lately. Uh, I think another guy to throw in there, if you want to be a hero, I certainly wouldn't do it, is Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover, currently 12th, 2.2% of the site is using Glover, so that could significantly improve your standings here. Just kind of scrolling through and seeing if I see anything of note mcneely 2.4 hardy 3.4 scott stall scott stallings boy if scott stallings wins this i will just tip my cap and say yeah. i got wiped and lost everything i will have zero scott stallings exposure in any market whatsoever Whew. um for the purposes of our one and done for the scramble one and done see uh, you and i have taken the chalk it's it's webb simpson here I will have to get Andy's selection, but I was comfortable using Webb Simpson because Andy already used Webb Simpson. Sia. Mm. So I know in our little format that I am getting access to Webb, who is going to be popular, but I know that my opponent cannot take him. So that is why it was very easy for me in this format to select Webb. Did you think for a second to to take like an Adam Hadwin and save Webb for the Wyndham? Or or are you assuming the talent pool there is going to be good enough where you don't really have to select Webb, even though his track record is pretty amazing there? So as excited as I am about Webb, 
and and I do believe he's figuring it out. This was kind of a hedge against that he might not be, right? Mm-hmm. Like if if Webb is just and this is going to happen to everybody. If Webb is just getting older and getting washed and getting more inconsistent, and he's not going to play all that well moving forward, um, I I would just rather burn him now as he's playing well, as he's the favorite, and instead of trying trying to hold him for Wyndham, because I do think there's going to be other guys who, and especially young guys that are still trying to play their way into positioning for the playoffs and all that stuff. Yeah. I just I just thought, man, if Webb's not good anymore, I'd rather know now than later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, no, I hear you. And I do think he's getting it together. The approach game is is looking better and better as each tournament goes by. The putter's still very erratic, but it was really bad a couple of months ago. And it's quite, you know, it's a lot better now. I mean, this, I think you're right. This is the time where he might actually be peaking. Sia Najad, we've got uh, John Deere, we've got Liv. Anything else before we uh, before we get out of here? Well, in the in the wild speculation bin, uh, is there anybody that you are um, you are convinced is going to go over to the Live Tour, whether that be after the Open Championship or after the FedEx Cup? I mean, and I only say that because uh, you know my one and done last week on the first cut was none other than Patrick Cantlay, mm-hmm. who I got really nervous about after I picked him because of his response to the mm-hmm. Live Tour question. And how, like, if, if that's me and I respond that poorly, that literally keeps me up at night and might mm-hmm. actually funnel into nine bogeys and a double bogey on Sunday when you're supposed to win the damn tournament, Patrick Cantlay, for my one and done. Um, any thoughts there? I mean, Patrick Cantlay's kind of a big name, and it sounded to me like he's pretty interested if you're, if you're just not going to outright answer the question. So sometimes I have inside information. Let me be clear. I have zero inside information on this. But two guys that I would, maybe three, that I would not be surprised about are Cantlay, um, Xander, and I also would not necessarily be surprised about Hideki. And Mm -hmm. I think Hideki would be a very, very good get for Liv because... They would, I mean, you, you should give him $500 million if you're live because mm-hmm. you will get some Japanese businessman who wants to sponsor Hideki's team for $300 million and wants, you know, to do a deal with you because like, it, it's just, he would open up the, the, the business model that live does have works really well. If you have Hideki and I don't even know if he's been asked about. I don't even know anything. But like, if I was Greg Norman, I would be backing up the Brinks truck. To, to yeah, him. I mean that makes sense. We saw what you know Yao Ming did for the NBA in terms of China's fan. I mean, China already probably had a pretty big fan base for the NBA, but it certainly exploded when you had their biggest superstar come play in the NBA. The same would be true uh, for Hideki Matsuyama as far as that Japanese market. So. Um, I, I agree with you there. I don't, you know, I don't think Xander's going to go over personally. I, I don't see that one, but I do see, I mean, I could be wrong. Obviously I'm just, I'm literally just speculating, uh, like everybody else, but I do think, uh, I do think Cantley based on his answer, uh, is very much interested. Yeah, it was, it was, it would be easy just to say no, or it'd be easy just to say I'm focused on the PGA tour. Yes. Right. We've got a lot of great events coming up. 
the fact that he was so caught off guard. <laughs> if I could just indict everybody that is a part of his PR team or a part of his inner circle, like you had to have anticipated that question. Patrick Canley is one of the PGA Tour's biggest superstars. Frankly, even if you're not a big PGA Tour superstar, you should know that that question is coming from somebody at some point in time. The fact that he wasn't prepared for that question at all and the fact that he didn't give a succinct answer is so mind-boggling to me because it has been the topic of discussion for many months now. The idea that one of his handlers didn't say, hey, Patrick, if and when this question comes up, just, you know, be kind of dismissive and just give, you know, a, a, a one sentence answer. Here it is for you. The fact that that conversation didn't happen. And to me, it's pretty clear that it didn't is truly unbelievable to me. Yeah. It's like when Brooks acted like he was very, very offended that he would even be asked about it. And it's like, well, now I know you're going like, right. why would you think you wouldn't be asked about this? Your brother is there. And like, you already told us you hate regular PGA tour events. Obviously, we're going to ask you the fact that you are acting like you are offended now cements the fact that you're going. And of course, yeah. you did five days later. Classic overcompensating, which has been right. the trademark of Brooks Kepka. Mm. All right. Well, that'll do it. We will be back on Friday for another live scramble. Uh, Wednesday, Rick Run Good YouTube channel for live chat. That'll be 3 p.m. Eastern time, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time for the Jock Market Power Hour. Sia Najad. Always does great work. Is available on Twitter at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the scramble. Good luck. See you.